You're listening to audio from New City Church in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. We are a gospel-centered church with a heart for the next generation, passionate about making disciples who will renew our city in the real Jesus. For more information about New City, please visit our website at www.mynewcity.church. New City, happy Sunday morning, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, the Lord welcomes each of us this morning into his presence. And as you just caught from the bumper video there, we are moving into the season of Advent for our church. This is an intentional season surrounding Christmas time to reflect on the first coming of Jesus into this world. The word Advent literally means coming. Is there a year where it is more important to reflect on the reality that God has come into this world? Man, if we, it would be a depressing list if I had a whiteboard behind me right now. We just brainstormed. Where are all the places that we feel the real and present temptation to question whether God is in this thing with us or not? I mean, 2020, right? The year of dashed dreams. All my pastor friends, right? They got this 2020 vision series mapped out because of course, right? I mean, why wouldn't you take that bait? 2020, let's go for it. It looked nothing like any of us expected. That's for sure. A tumultuous election season. A global pandemic, not being able to see the people we love. Maybe this Christmas season is the first time that someone who was at the dinner table last year isn't there this year. If all of those details were left to themselves, we would be left with a real and painful question. God, have you forgotten us? I mean, are you, are you taking a break this year? Are you uninterested in what's happening in your world? The incarnation, the story of Advent, God coming into this world in the form of a baby is the forever telling evidence to us that in the middle of the mess, God has not forgotten his people. You see, the people of God, as as the birth of Jesus was approaching, they had experienced 400 years of silence. No prophets sent on behalf of God who were speaking for him. Everybody thought that he had turned the lights off. And hear me, friends, hear me. The Lord is, He is patient in his anger, but he is present in his love. Right now, in the middle of 2020, as we're approaching the end of this year, we inevitably begin to reflect on all that's happened, all that's going on inside of us, all that's going on in our City, we must recognize that though we see things happening in this world that that make us cry out and say, God, why aren't you doing something about this? Why aren't you bringing justice to account? We can be certain because God became a baby that he is present with his people. 
We're going to spend most of our time this Advent in the book of Isaiah, and here's why. If you're familiar with your Bible at all, you probably know this. Isaiah is source material for the New Testament. All of the questions that are raised in the book of Isaiah, the New Testament begins to flesh out and answer as the person and work of Jesus comes into focus. See, Isaiah is the people of God asking before the Lord, who in the world is going to save us from ourselves? Does that not feel like the question of 2020? Who in the world is going to save us from ourselves? And what we begin to get these fuzzy sort of glimpses of in the prophetic book of Isaiah, Matthew brings into clear and crystal focus around the person of Jesus. See, Matthew 1, 23, quoting Isaiah, says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, of all the names for the Messiah who's come into this world, that name, Emmanuel, God with us, should clarify hope and stir wonder in our hearts this Christmas season. Because it's not just a good story, it's a good, true story. I've always been obsessed with Christmas, you guys, always. From the time I was little, I was just all about it. And believe it or not, I honestly don't think it was about the presents most of the time. I mean, I'm not going to turn them down, right? I'm, I'm not against presents. But for me, it was this overwhelming sense of warmth and wonder that began to happen around Christmas time. Everything sort of got that warm glow about it, right? It's like wonder was reawakened in our hearts. What if this Christmas, more than ever, the wonder and the hope of the resurrection could part the clouds in our hearts and in our world? That's the hope. And so in this series, God with us through Advent, we're going to be digging into the reality of the incarnation. Here's the big point this week. God with us is our only hope in a dark world. It's our only hope. Isaiah chapter 7 is where we're going to be working through today. I'll read a couple verses here from Isaiah 7. It says, In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind." Here's what's going on here. The people of God have been divided into two nations. There's division, splitting the people. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Israel and Judah have split apart. And Ahaz, the person referenced here, is the king of Judah. He is in a moment of unbelievable crisis. Battle is on his doorstep. 
war, tension, brokenness, difficulty. Think of the crisis right now of our church. How do we live as the people of God during a global pandemic? How do we serve our city? How do we make a difference? And think of the crisis of your own life. Christmas time has a way of making crisis obvious. That missing person stings more than usual around the holidays. That broken relationship becomes so obvious. Those family dynamics that are far from what you want them to be, all of it comes into focus around Christmas time. And in crisis, fear and uncertainty cloud our minds, much like fear and uncertainty plagued Ahaz. Did you notice that? Look back at verse 2. It says, when the house of David, that's the people of Israel, was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz, and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. Now, I enjoy deer hunting, and so I've spent a lot of time in a tree in my life. And if you sit in a tree, you get very up close and personal with the leaves. That trembling of the leaves that comes because of the wind, that's how they describe the fear that's in the leader Ahaz right here. And did you notice? Fear was contagious. Ahaz began to get scared. What are we going to do? And when he got scared, what did the people do but be filled with fear? Fear seeps into our hearts and minds in moments of crisis. But God sends his people into battle with this call. Look at verse 4. This is a prophecy from God. I'm starting the quotation here. It says, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands and the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Romalia. God shows up. He calls his people out of fear. He calls them into quiet dependence on the presence and power of God. Friend, this is where the reality of Emmanuel, the reality of God being with us, meets us this Christmas season. Where fear where uncertainty and where exhaustion flood in, hear me, Jesus' knees never knock when ours do. Our Lord is without fear in the deepest and darkest crises of life. You see, your Lord, New City Church, your Lord was perfectly careful in his life. The way that this, this text calls the people of God to be careful, the Lord was perfectly careful. Romans 5, 6 says that at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He was calculated. Your Lord was perfectly quiet in his death. Isaiah 53 tells us that he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. When he came to the moments around his crucifixion, he didn't defend himself. He waited on the Father. 
Your Lord crushed fear in his resurrection. Second Timothy, written to a, a leader and a people of the resurrection, says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's what the resurrection does in us, New City Church. That's what the incarnation does, him coming into this world. And this battle sequence that's about to happen between the people of God and an opposing nation is actually pointing us to a greater battle between Jesus and the sin of the world. You see, God's unbelievable confidence telling his people to march into battle right here in Isaiah is shouting to us the confidence in what Jesus being born into this world would accomplish with complete success. Your Lord Jesus would destroy sin's grip on the people of God. You know what that means? It means that this Christmas, your greatest fear being separated from the God that you were made for is quieted. And your greatest need being redeemed is met. Even in the fear and crisis of the world, both of those realities are yours in Jesus. How? Because God became a baby. God with us is our hope. It meets us in our fear, but it doesn't just meet us in our fear. Look, it also meets us in our rebellion. Look at verse 10. It says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord, your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz says, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Ahab was a king. I'm sorry, Ahaz was a king with a divided heart. We find out in 2 Kings 16 that this guy was actually a pretty messed up guy. Listen to this from 2 Kings. It says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. That's the clue, right? 20-year-old king of a nation? Probably not. A great idea. No offense, 20-year-olds. 20 20 and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. He even burned his son as an offering, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. You see, you catch moments where Ahab is conversing with the Lord, where he's making sacrifices to the Lord. But you know what else he was doing? He was making sacrifices to false gods. He was literally sacrificing his own children to appease these false and wicked idols. His obedience was only ever a partial obedience to the Lord. And you know what another name for that is? Partial obedience. Disobedience. His heart was divided. And in his fear of what was to come, he closed his heart and his mind off to the Lord. He said, nope, 
I'm not asking for a sign. I'm not asking for you to show up here. In his pride, he refused to ask for help. And friends, this is the opposite of the heart of the Christmas season. In Christmas, Jesus comes into the world so quietly and with such a peace offering that it flies under the radar of our hard hearts. God with us becomes such an irresistible kindness to his children that it overrides our fears. It flattens our pride. It kills our cynicism. Like, man, isn't it like the Lord to just, in a, in a world full of pride-filled people, that he would fly under the ra- radar of our pride by becoming a baby? So you'd expect him, being God, to make a notable entrance. He deserves it, right? But that's not what he does. He meets our pride with humility. He meets our fear with quiet confidence. And and for us, when we see that about ourselves, we see our fear and our pride, we see the ugliness of those things come out. Honestly, it's embarrassing, isn't it? When somebody sees you at your very worst, but guess what? Jesus doesn't shame us there. He's honest. This is broken. I had to die for that. All of that's absolutely true. But you know what he does? He takes the shame and he makes it his own. He bears it on his own shoulders. Christmas tells us that that God's very enemies, you and me, were given the most precious child the one who had been forever the prized possession of the Father. He sent into the world. There's no greater gift at Christmas. Here's the question. Where are you allowing fear and pride from receiving the wonder-working power of Jesus this Christmas season? Will you lay it down? Don't let your hardness of heart keep you from experiencing what the Lord wants to do in this season. God with us doesn't just meet us in our fears and it doesn't just meet us in our rebellion. Finally, here's what we're going to see and we're almost done. God with us meets us in our unbelief. Look at verse 13. It says, and he said then, Hear then, O house of David, this is the prophet Isaiah, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days that have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. 
You see, Isaiah is prophesying on two levels here. In one sense, he's speaking to the immediate situation. He's saying, hey, a delivering king, someone is going to be born to a young woman that will make things better. But the language of the covenant is being used right here. When, he's, when the prophet says the house of David, he is talking about an eternal kingdom that the people of God were aware of. An eternal kingdom that you and I get to be a part of right now. And this tells us that he is speaking to the future as well. That's how the New Testament authors understood us. Remember Matthew, he reads that verse in light of who Jesus is. I mean, who could believe this? As bleak as things were, that born of a virgin would come one who could save the people from their sins. It seems unbelievable. It is the one thing that is too good to be true that's true. A virgin would bear a son and his name would be God with us. Friends, that prophet, that one would come, would be no mere prophet speaking on God's behalf. He would speak as God. He would be no mere priest sacrificing on behalf of God's people. He would become the sacrifice. He would be no mere king here and gone. He would be an eternal king who would never pass away. Why does the virgin birth matter? Because it could only be the work of God. This is the ancient people of God's reality, and it is our reality. We can't do what desperately needs doing. We need someone else. Friends, this Christmas, what are you trying to do that is really only possible through God's doing? Are you trying to garner a sense of approval and affection from your father by buying good enough Christmas gifts for the people in your life? That's only God's doing. Only he can handle that. There's something beautiful here, I think, if we flip over to the Gospel of Matthew. Ahaz, this guy was, I mean, a broken king is an understatement, right? He's sacrificing children. He's messing everything in the world up. And yet, here in the beginning chapter of Matthew, his name is listed in the lineage of King Jesus. Go back and read that. I'm not going to read it right now. I want you to go back and look at that chapter in Matthew. His name, broken, sinful, wicked, crooked king, is somehow used to bring the true king, the better king, into the world. If our King Jesus can do that with Ahaz, what can't he make right? See, Ahaz was a wicked king and he killed his son. But God the son went willingly to be crushed by the wrath of God instead of you. 
this Christmas season. May that wake our hearts up.